This is episode 536 with mental performance coach, James Leith. When you get to the professional ranks, it's not talent that separates people. It's your ability to keep out distractions Mm. and to stay focused. It's that and it's also your recovery. Mm. So those two things, right? So you've got to be able to recover fast. And, you, and, and I'm talking physically, and you, you've got to be able to manage the distractions. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. I'm super, super excited, guys, for you to... Uh, listen to this episode uh, between myself and James. You see, one of the things that I do in, in terms of making this podcast really good for you guys is that I put myself in your shoes. So I'm just thinking to myself right now, when I was playing sports, you know, when I was still active, when I was still chasing that dream before I got injured, and I was placing serious emphasis on the mental side of the game. Who is somebody that I would have wanted to talk to? And you see, after this conversation with James, I realized that, man, this is someone I would have wanted to talk to. You know, so uh, as you guys know, I've always talked about it, you know, in terms of how I always focused on, on the physical side and the talent side. You know, so yes, I gave it everything. You know, I always wanted to do more, but uh, there wasn't that real reliance, so to speak, on the mental game. It wasn't until I got injured and things like that. So if there was anybody that I would have wanted to speak to, you know, James would be one of those guys. James is a mental performance coach. He's the founder of Unleash the athlete and of course he has 20 plus years coaching experience in helping athletes and and getting you basically uh to be your best self and to achieve your goals and of course this conversation is just the epitome of everything that james stands for like i I found myself in the middle of the conversation enjoying the conversation like i was listening to it from an athlete's perspective it was that good we talked about so many things we we literally covered the entire playbook if i can call it that cover the entire playbook of what an athlete is going to need to continue this pursuit of the goals that you guys are chasing in sports we we talked about imposter syndrome we talked about you know how you can battle distractions as an athlete we talked about how when you get to the point where maybe it's appearing like it's not really working for you you know what are the things that you can do we, we talked about how you deal with pressure uh, we also shone the spotlight on parents in terms of nurturing uh, their child's talent in sports you name it we covered it and of course the way that James talks about these things, not only can you tell how passionate he is, you can also tell that he's really knowledgeable in this area. And of course, for me, you see, when I get to the point where I'm the one now learning, you know, that, that's when it gets so real for me. You know, so over the last, what, 500 plus episodes, you know, I've been teaching you guys so many things. But over the last few years that I've been doing this, once in a while, I bring people on. And you see, when it gets to the point, like I said, that I start learning, that's when I'm like, oh, this is good. And I know you guys will thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this. You're going to see the passion that James has. And of course, um, you can head over to my Instagram page as well to get a clip of the video and also YouTube. We're going to post that video there. But it was a really good one. And I'm super excited for you guys 
to listen to it this episode guys is brought to you by my free course goal setting mastery now of course one of the key things that i've said time and time again you know yes we want to focus on the mental and physical sides of sports but you see one key part that is always left out is the planning stage and you see that is where goal setting comes in head over to athletemastery.com for slash mastery to get your hands on that course very short very straight to the point but what it would do is that it's going to give you that foundational piece in terms of you setting the right goals as an athlete which of course then propels you to everything that you're going to be working on from the mental and physical side athletemastery.com forward slash master when you get your hands on that course you see I'm going to join you now to be a listener. Come, myself and James have a message for you. Welcome everyone back to the Adley Maestro Podcast, guys. And of course, my guest on the show today is James Lip. James is a mental performance coach. He's the founder of Unleash the Athlete. And I'm excited for everything that we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me, Jake. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm definitely looking forward to this. Now, one of the things that you do is that you are currently the mental performance coach for the Chicago Bulls. Talk to me about what that experience is like, you know, in terms of preparing these superstars for what they do best. Well, I was very lucky because my one of my professors uh, during my master's program, Dr. Wendy Borlaby, she's the sports psychologist for the Chicago Bulls. Mm. And so she handles that. She's a great person to learn from. And she invited me to come on staff for the season and work specifically with the Windy City Bulls, so the G League team of mm-hmm. the Bulls. And with them, I spent a lot of time talking about uh, pregame routines um, getting the mind right, getting the, the mind flexible and in that childlike state so that you can have fun and you can also play hard. But then also uh, getting over a bad game and, and, and talking about it and not letting a bad game define the kind of athlete that you are. Mm. The biggest thing I think that I learned in working with those guys who are just knocking at the door of the NBA, they're just right there, right? The biggest thing that we talked about was transitioning from being quote unquote, the man, the, the best player on every middle school and high school and college team that they've ever been on. And now they're knocking at the door of the pro and they have to learn to be a teammate. They have to be Mm. a role player because if they were quote unquote, the man, they'd be in the NBA, right? Like they'd already have the contract. And so for the first time in their career as a basketball player, they're having to learn, how to be a really good teammate. That's just something that's not really pushed um, in the lower ranks. When you have a, a team with an athlete who's just head and shoulders more talented and even taller than everybody else, yeah. you kind of lean on that person, and that person never has to develop the attributes of a great team member. Mm. Wow. That's an interesting perspective. And you know, one of the things that makes that you know, resonate is that you know, you're, you're in there with the trenches, and you've seen or you can see that progression from, okay, you're not yet in the NBA, you want to get to the NBA, you know, these are the things, you know, that you should do. And I think you, you have a vantage position in that. What's one of the things that you see that these guys struggle with the most? With the exception, of course, making that transition to now being a team player. From a mental perspective, what, what have you seen that, you know, they struggle with the most uh, that you now try to help them with? Really, distraction management. 
Mm. Just, just managing all the distractions and all the things that can pull you away from being great. Uh, guys like LeBron James and Michael Jordan and the late great Kobe Bryant mm. were really good at shutting out everybody. And they would even get ridiculed for it. <laughs> I remember a couple years ago, LeBron James was in the middle of the, the championship. It was like game three. And someone asked him, you know, how do, where do you stand as far as one of the best, best basketball players in the game? And LeBron, without missing a beat, he's like, I'm the best basketball player in the world. And he was serious. Uh-huh. And people gave him a lot of crap for that. And I'm sitting here on the sidelines going, that's exactly what we want him to think. Like, we want him in the mindset. And also, he probably is. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. stop it with you guys saying, like, LeBron's not good. Like, he's, he's great. You know, he's one of the best that ever walked the planet. Uh-huh. But he's in a mindset where he's not going to let you get him out of it. Uh-huh. He's just not going to let you push him off his game. And so – when you get to the professional ranks, it's not talent that separates people. Sure. It's your ability to keep out distractions mm. and to stay focused. It's that, and it's also your recovery. Mm. So those two things, right? So you've got to be able to recover fast, and, you, and, and I'm talking physically, and you, you've got to be able to manage the distractions. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to come back to this um, uh, distractions part, but one of the things that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the goals you know, was that uh, there was a sports psychologist on the team, you know, brought you in, would you do that season? What's the difference between performance psychology and sports psychology, just for the athletes that are listening? Nothing. Same thing. There's nothing. There's the exact same thing. Oh. Now, the difference between uh, Dr. Borlaby and I uh-huh. is that she has her doctorate and she is a clinical psychologist. Oh. So when, when I come in, I'm talking about, you know, our sessions, we're probably laughing. <laughs> we're probably having a good time and you know, I'm going to make fun of you a little bit. You're going to make fun of me. And like, we're, we're going to get a, like, it's, it's a relationship, mm. but then sometimes an athlete needs something deeper. There are some, some, some deep seated things about them that really are, are out of my scope of responsibility and ability to, mm. to manage. So I stay in my lane. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I am not a therapist, even though sometimes they will treat me like one, like one. <laughs> but I'm very, but I'm very like, Hey, look, this is our thing. I'm here to teach you tools and strategies. I'm not here to talk about mommy and daddy issues. Mm. I'm not mm. here to talk about, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to them about their relationships with their family and stuff, but it's, it's not on a deep level. Mm. And so I have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for clinical psychologists who get in there and they dig deep. Uh, that's not my specialty. That's not my area of expertise. I come in and I'm going to motivate you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give you some tools and some strategies in order to be successful. But if you've got a deep seated issue, then that's when you, you need a, you need a psychologist. You need wow. somebody who is, who is trained for that. And Dr. Borlaby is, uh, is such a, a beautiful combination of those two and to be able to learn from her um, and be able to, to see her in action and mm. see what she does with, with those guys uh, was just an absolute treat. And mm. I, I love how you distinguish between both of them. And I'm still going to come back to those distractions, but you know, uh, uh, we're going on the flu here. One of the things that, you know, athletes run away from the most, especially with all this mental aspects is, you know, that outside belief that 
it's all about these deep-seated issues, you know. So if I'm going to go and see someone about my performance, you know, to get me motivated, you know, to get me to work on the right things, you know, to get me to execute when I should, you know, I don't want them prying into my mind. How do you help athletes, you know, differentiate between these two that, hey, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, be poking around your brain and things like that. What I'm here to do is to get the best out of you. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm really there to clear the path to performance. It's like you're in your own way. I'm, I'm standing here with a mirror to show you the person that is actually in your way. It's not me. It's not the opponent. It's you. At the end of the day, you can only perform so well. If, if you're playing a superior team and that team beats you and you had the best game of your life, are you a loser? No. Like if you're a swimmer and you just posted your best time and you got fourth place, which means you didn't even podium. Did you fail that day? Or did you compete against Michael Phelps? Like, you got you to gotta acknowledge that, right? So letting a, a, a failure, letting a loss define you is a lot of times what hurts an athlete in the future because they're holding on to this past failure. So things like that, I can come in and be like, hey, let's reframe this. Let's give different meaning to this because as humans, we can change the meaning of stuff. Like a, like a flock of geese or a flock of birds, birds fly south for the winter. The reason they fly south for the winter is because they're birds. It's millions of years of genetic code. It's cold. We're going south. Humans in, in the winter, we just put on a coat. We respond to the situation and we stay there because we can do that. We don't have to just do what everybody's always done or do what we feel is natural. It's like, no, is it cold? Jacket. All right, let's move on. Like, there's no moving south, <laughs> right? Yeah, so yeah. it's when, when as a sports psychologist, of which Dr. B is, or as a mental performance coach like myself, we're just, what I'm trying to do is just help with the, the meaning of what's going on. Oh, I'm the yeah. storyteller. You know, you just lost four games in a row. Let me help you to make that mean something more positive than you're just terrible. You know, you're a baseball player and you're in a slump. Well, let me help you remember that you still know how to hit. You just haven't yet. So let's yeah, get you yeah. out of this slump. And it starts in the head first. It's mm. not in the wrist. It's not in the hips. It's in the head. I like how you distinguish that, you know, because that's one of the things that I, I also try to, you know, you know, tell athletes in the sense that it, it's all about the performance, you know, and the reason behind that, you know, so uh, you, you could go out and train more. Uh, you could increase the hours that you're working. But you see, if you don't figure out the reason behind a lot of these things, just like you said, in the mind, you know, it's going to happen over and over again. And you're going to beat yourself up because you're going to be like, yes. before I used to do 10 hours, now I'm doing 15 hours, you know, it's still the same problem. But one of the things we were talking about before that was this issue of distractions. Now, what would you say to the athletes, you know, who, who believe, you know, that in, in terms of distractions, if I'm all in on my sport, 100%, then there's a possibility that I'm going to burn out. You know, so I hear that you're saying I should keep everything out, but where do I find that balance in terms of, oh, yes, I want to zone in, I want to keep everybody out, but at the same time, I don't want to be all in and then suffer some sort of burnout. I mean, it depends. It, all mm -hmm. generalizations fail at the individual level. So I give Good these one. like really big generalization sweeping ideas, mm -hmm. but when it comes to the person, the way you do it might be completely different the way I do it. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when I feel burned out. I go into my living room. I plug in the Xbox 
and I spend two hours playing a game that was created 15 years ago. Mm. It's just, I shut my brain off, you know, or I'll, uh, I'll watch an old TV show from my youth just to kind of just, just relax mm. a little bit, fill my mm. cup. And then I get back into it. But you know, as an athlete, there's, there's plenty of ways to waste time. What you don't want to do is get involved in something that drains the energy that you were going to use for the performance. So if it's performance day, if it's seven o'clock at night is when you're, you're on around three or four, you should be shutting the world out. Mm -hmm. You should be getting your mind right. You should be in your playbook. You should be in talking strategy. You should be meditating, resting, eating, drinking water, whatever it is that you need to do for your competition. Mm -hmm. But you know, the day before practice, it's like, oh, okay, maybe you made a TikTok with your friends. You know, maybe <laughs> you watched a little documentary of Michael Jordan. You know, maybe you did something. But so it's not every single day. But if you don't absolutely love the grind and you don't revel in the fact that, you know, working a little bit harder is going to pay off dividends in the future, then you're, you're going to plateau. Eventually, you're just not going to do very well. The best basketball players in the world are not in the NBA. Mm. The best basketball players are on the streets of Chicago, New York, <laughs> Los Angeles, Atlanta, right? They're on the streets. But they couldn't play the mental game. There were things that they needed to be held accountable to. They could maybe couldn't take direction. Maybe mm. they, they, weren't, they weren't used to they're – not, they're not good teammates. They're all about – Showboating, you know, mm. and in any sport, the best person usually isn't the one up there on the podium. It's mm. somebody that got lost along the way and they couldn't figure out mentally, right? Mm. So, and like a mentally resilient person, I have a definition for it. A mentally resilient athlete is able to access their talent regardless of the situation at the highest level that they are capable of mm. on a consistent basis. I love that answer because it kind of it adds up to the reason why coaching is important because you're going to hear all these athletes who, um, you know, I can listen to this podcast, you know, I can get the tips, I can get all of that, you know, I can read this book, I can read that, you know, but mm -hmm. I agree what you're saying in the sense that, you know, yes, there are all these general principles, but how it's going to apply to this person A is going to be different from how it's going to apply to person B, how they're going to take right. it, how they're going to execute. You know, so I totally, I totally agree with that. And for the athletes who are listening to this, you know, just because you know, LeBron James takes in information this particular way doesn't mean that you're going to take in that information that particular way. Just because this other person has his own way of processing all of this stuff doesn't mean you're going to process it that way. Find, you know, what works for you. So I, I, I agree with that, James. You know, one of the other things that, you know, you do or you've done is that you work with the IMG Academy. You know, talk to me about that a little bit. What was that experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, before we move on, mm. success leaves clues and successful athletes are not shy about mm. sharing what works for them. It's the, it's up to the, the athlete. It's the athlete's responsibility to go and seek out different routines and rituals mm. and life rules that these athletes have. I mean, a third of my books on the bookshelf are biographies. True. They're just, they're, they're books on people that this is, this was their whole life. And it's, and when people are really successful, it's never just one thing. They failed a bunch and then they succeeded at a whole bunch of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like success breeds more success. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. failure also breeds more failure if you don't like pause and be like, how did this failure get me to this next thing, mm -hmm. right? 
So yeah, so success leaves clues. But uh, answering your question about IMG Academy, that was a, a tremendous experience to be able to work with some of the best athletes in the world and some of the best coaches in the world. Mm. And the, the atmosphere there is very conducive to competing at a high level, not just sports, but in uh -huh. academics as well, because the kids there are, for the most part, they're, they're, real, they're brilliant. They're very, very <laughs> smart. Um, now, there's, of course, every sport has its people who bring the average down a little bit, right? But uh, the ones who really took advantage of all the things that were available to them at ING, it's uh, having tutors, it's being able to spend half the day on their sport. Uh -huh. And then during that half a day, there's practice, there's a leadership component, there's mental resiliency training, uh -huh. there's nutrition, there's strength and conditioning, there's yoga. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that these kids can use in order to be better. And so the ones who take advantage of that are so much better off. But at the end of the day, if you have talent and you've got desire and you're, you are disciplined enough to be able to just fight through all the BS that goes with being an elite athlete, you will be found. Just be so good that you can't be ignored. Going to IMG is not necessary for you to be successful. It will help you. Absolutely. Sure. Well, plenty of kids went to IMG and pissed away the year yeah. just because they're the first time they've ever been away from home. And it didn't really matter to them in the grand scheme of things. But when you have opportunities like that, there were a couple kids there that still, even though I haven't been there in a couple of years, still reach out to me learning about leadership, learning about communication and mental resiliency. And so it's an, it's an important um, thing to know that, yeah, that helps people, but uh -huh. you got to help yourself. Uh -huh. You got to do the work. Uh -huh. There's no magic pill. And when you get up to the professional ranks, what you notice about those athletes, regardless of the sport, is that they are there despite all the benefits of growing up. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't have money. A lot of them didn't have good facilities and they made it. But I think that that almost made them more resilient when they got to the professional ranks uh -huh. than those that had everything given to them. They were at the country club and they had <laughs> access to all this other stuff. I mean, look at, you get a lot of professional athletes that have kids and their kids don't end up being professional athletes. Yeah. You yeah. can't want it for them. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. They have to want it. There's, you can't force someone to love waking up at four o'clock in the morning and getting in a cold pool for three hours <laughs> or doing two a days playing football or um, soccer or uh, hockey. Like you can't force somebody to, to mm. want to be that. Great answer. You know, and I think the point that you mentioned about, you know, you don't have to go to the IMG Academy to be successful because, you know, I see a right. lot of African athletes, you know, and that was one of the reasons why, you know, I started the podcast because I also wanted to play professional sports. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL, my knee, uh, you know, out of the game for two years and all that. In between that, I had to go to law school, uh, you know, get my, uh, get my degree and, and all of that. And, you know, I see these athletes who believe that, you know, if they, there's a guy that still messaged me on Instagram today, you know, and he's talking about connections, you know, and mm -hmm. how, you know, I, I need to be connected to make it. And I'm asking, what are some of the things that you have done so far that has even you know shown that you really want it you know so so to speak shown that yeah you're, you're trying or you're just sitting back and you're just waiting that hey somebody's going to present this to me so you know i think that point resonates in terms of you don't need to go to all of these elite academies you don't need to have you know all this special stuff for you to actually begin uh, to try you know and that, that that makes sense now you yourself were a multi-sport athlete 
how how did that help? Yeah, how did that help in uh, you starting on list the athlete, you know, and everything that you do now? Yeah, I mean that was that was paramount. I mean, I when I was in high school, my father he was a, an alcoholic and and mm. uh, just wasn't really available emotionally whenever I got home, and he said, "Hey, you have two options. You can either be on a team or you can have a job." Like those are your two options. And I, I didn't want to deliver pizzas. And I, was, I, was, I had a paper out for years. I was tired of waking up early and delivering papers. So I just went from sport to sport. And I would play football in the fall. And then back in the late 90s, you could play two, three sports a year. Oh. So football would end, I'd go play basketball. And basketball would end, and I would go play baseball. Or like I didn't play basketball one year, I wrestled. And I didn't play baseball one year, I played volleyball. Oh. And I was a cheerleader. And I did track and field. And so I did all these things. And by the end, I had lettered varsity letter in seven different sports. But I wasn't good at all of them. That wasn't mm. the point. I, I wasn't good at all the sports. In fact, most of them, I was pretty terrible. Volleyball, especially. <laughs> I was horrible. Basketball, oh, it was terrible. I would foul out every game. But being in a sport that you're not good at mm-hmm. helps you to be a leader in the sport that you are good at. Mm. Because you, you empathize with not being successful in that other sport. And so when these other kids come out and you're just like, oh, yeah, you're not that good. But, hey, you add value to this team because you're always making us laugh in the locker room mm-hmm. or you're part of a community outside of this you know, room. And so we, you can keep us from getting burned out. There's a lot of different ways you can be a leader on a team. And so that's, that's what helped me. But then when I got to college, I wanted to play football. Like you, I got hurt. My dream was to play professional in the NFL and I got hurt and the cheerleading team picked me up and offered me a scholarship. Wow. (laughs) And I said, I said, no, that's dumb. I'm not gonna be a stupid cheerleader. But I had to kind of check myself because I was like, hmm, I competed in the cheerleading thing when I was in high school Hmm. at the college level. If I really dove in, that could be cool. And so I, I had to switch my mind on it, right? At first, it was like, ah, oh, I'm a dumb cheerleader. But then when I became a cheerleader, I was like, this is a great opportunity. This is so much fun. And I, I, had, I went into it with a different mindset. I just decided like, you know what? This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this and I'm going to enjoy it. And I had a lot of fun. I ended up being the mascot for a couple of years. And, but during that opportunity, I was able to go to basketball games and football games and uh, baseball games and I was on the field oh, as the mascot sure. <laughs> and so yeah. I could and the coaches knew they could trust me because they knew me outside of the mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. and outside of my dog uniform that I was mm-hmm. on I was wearing <laughs> so they would let me just be in the huddle so during a basketball game during a timeout in, in a nationally televised basketball game you got mm-hmm. the coaches right here with all of his players and then I got my head in the huddle <laughs> I'm not on the team I'm just standing there and they're just, they're wrapping their arms around me, you know? And it's funny too now because I had a flashback about that when I was with the Windy City Bulls Mm. because I was able to get in the huddle. But now like I'm in the huddle and I'm just me, like I'm not anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big old dudes just put their arms around me just like they did back when I was in college. So I parlayed that injury of not, and not being able to play football to an opportunity to be able to get, an education from all these different coaches. Now I also ended up playing football again. I played arena football and, and some, okay. oh, some nice. semi-pro football. Right. Um, but man, I, uh, opening my eyes to, and, and my mind to a different opportunity just really changed the trajectory of my, my life. Oh. And so 
then during my 20s, I decided that I wanted to formalize my education. So I went back, I got my master's in performance psychology, and now I focus on the mental side of the sport. Uh, I love, I love that story, you know, and what, what's coming to my mind now, you know, putting myself in the position of someone that's listening to us, you know, is that what do you say to the athletes who, you know, it, it appears, you know, and, and I use that word appears deliberately, you know, that this thing is just not going to happen for them. And I'll give you an example, like in soccer, for example, if you're 20 and you're not yet playing professionally, it's, it's going to be an uphill task. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's going to be really difficult. What do you say to those athletes who are getting to that point where, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably likely that they're not going to make it and they need to start working on those transitions, you know, so what am I going to do next? You know, but they keep at it, they keep at it, they keep at it because they feel like, uh, maybe I'll get that break, maybe I'll get that break. What do you say to athletes like that? Well, again, you know, generalization ends at the individual, but if you're 20 years old oh. and your dream is to play soccer, the older you get, the more you have to sacrifice because oh. your friends are 24, 25. They're getting married. They're having kids. Oh. They're in a career. They have benefits. You know, they've got a job and uh-huh. you're, you know, you're 22, 23 and you're still chasing this professional dream. You have to exhaust every option. Everything's got to be on the table. Will you go overseas? Yes. Will you go play for this lesser team? Yes. Will you go and create a YouTube page and just get a following? Yes. All that stuff matters. Mm. So especially in soccer, you create a YouTube page where you're just phenomenal and you have, and you have the talent, you will get picked up. Mm. But too many people and you can thank American Idol for this. I think they have talents <laughs> because everyone around them is telling you're so good. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when I went to IMG Academy, I saw what great high school football players look like. And so then I go to a different high school and I'm working with them and some parents are like, yeah, my kid's going to play college football. And I'm like, <laughs> are you like no, no, you haven't. You haven't really played anybody difficult, you know. Like I know you guys are the best team in the league. Yeah, your league is not, not very good, so you don't you don't know what I mean because there there's monsters. These monsters are playing football. They're huge, right? Yeah. And I remember at, at, when I was at IMG Academy, our offensive line was bigger than the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. These are high school kids. Mm-hmm. So when I say they're monsters, I mean that in a very positive way. But they're huge mm-hmm. and they're fast. And they're smart. And I'm sorry, you're not going to make it past them. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's a, it's a reality check. But then in basketball, you, there's tryouts for the Windy City Bulls uh-huh. to one day, you know, get an opportunity to, to play professionally. And people do get pulled out of the G League and, uh-huh. and pulled into an NBA team. And so, but when you get there, I remember getting there during tryouts and, and I don't know a whole lot about basketball. And that's not what they hired me for. They uh-huh. hired me for the mental side. But I'm looking around, I'm like, that guy, he should stop playing right away. He should start coaching. He should go and find some little seventh, eighth grade team and just start coaching because you just don't have it. And it's not always about size, but it's, it's everything. It's your swagger. You know, it's your athletic ability. It's your ability to heal from injury. It's your ability to, to get yelled at as a grown man Uh and be able to be like, okay, I'm going to fix that. I love how we are because I find you know, that a lot of people, you know, they try to pacify people, you know, you know, and tell them, oh, you can still make it. Oh, you should still go ahead. Now, if you, if you make it real in terms that, hey, I'm not saying you shouldn't go ahead. 
going to be a difficult task. Just like you said, you have to sacrifice more, explore every yeah. option. And so I like, I like how real uh, you were with that. But I'm switching that. Yeah, I will you. tell people. I, will, I won't say like, hey, you, you can still make it. Like that, I, that is not for me to tell somebody. <laughs> what I can tell them is there are still opportunities for mm-hmm. you to pursue. Mm-hmm. You, I, I mean, I can get you to that door. You got to knock that freaking door down. Mm. and you got to do it with reckless abandon you you've mm. got to go after it like there nobody like and, and i tell people say look you haven't made it yet uh-huh. that means when you do make it someone else has to leave so you need to want it more than them more than them mm. that's a good one so more or less like you're taking somebody's spot and it's not like they're just going to hand this oh oh hey you. young athlete here you go here's you can have my role it's like <laughs> nah that person is gonna fight you tooth and nail Oh, wow. Yeah, I, lo- I-, I love that. Now, for the athlete who, you know, actually has some talent, you know, so they're big, they're strong, they can play their sports. But at every time they're supposed to step up. Now, I know that, you know, th- th- there's some sort of personal element to this in terms of personal assessment, you know, where you actually see this athlete, you know, and you can actually assess them and say, okay, th- this is what is wrong. But I just wanted to share some tips, you know, with us in terms of setting things that can apply. You know, they're talented, they're good. But at every time there is that need to step up. There's always something that is stopping them. You know, so if I use the NFL, for example, now, you know, in every normal game, you know, so normal through about normal things, you're exceptional. Like you're really good. Yeah. When a team invites you for a tryout, for some reason you flop. They invite you to the NFL combines. The things that you were doing in your sleep, 40-yard dash, you know, the bench presses, all of those things, for some reason you get there, you just mess up. How can an athlete that are, what are some tips, you know, that athletes like that, you know, can now begin to use that. I can play this sport. I know I can play this sport. But when it matters, something always goes wrong. Yeah. When you are getting ready to perform at a game, you need to have practiced whatever routine that you have many times before. Mm. So when you're preparing for the NFL combine, you need to put yourself psychologically in that world. And so if you know that your group is going to be up, and sometimes you don't know, mm-hmm. but if you know that like nine o'clock, we're doing the 40 yard dash, 1045, we're going to be doing the bench press. Now you can go and you can practice being in the right mindset at nine o'clock in the morning and at 1045. Mm-hmm. And so what do you eat? What do you drink? What time did you go to bed the night before? If you're at the NFL combine and it's the night before and you're, playing video games like what are you doing <laughs> you know unless video games is what puts you in the mindset, yeah, mindset. of being ready right mm. it's being it's all about being intentional about the um the the routines that you create right instead of just winging it and hoping to kind of uh hoping to be able to just show up, Mm. show and go. It's a baseball term, right? No warm up. You just show up and go, right? Like, no, you need to prepare for that moment. And I always tell like a a pitcher, the the first pitch of the season, they throw it and it's a strike. Well, the last inning of the championship, it's the same mechanics. It's everything's the same. Your job is to take this ball, put it in that mitt without him hitting it. It's the same goal that you had four months before. Now there's a bigger crowd. People are yelling. It <laughs> feels like there's more pressure. But does it really change anything? 
No. Your job is to put that ball in the mitt. And if that batter hits it, well, that's baseball. And if he doesn't, well, that's baseball, right? Like he's either going to hit it or not. But the pressure is we, we can decide like, yeah, I'm, I feel a lot of pressure right now. But the, the excitement at the top of a roller coaster, when people kind of see down, some are scared and some are excited, but it's the same exact feeling. It's just the meaning that you give to it. Mm. I, I love those answers. And one of the things you mentioned in that is pre-performance. How can an athlete come up with a pre-performance routine? You know, because we, we, we see these elite guys, you know, who you, you might think there's no method, you know, to what they do, you know, so they wake up at this particular time, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, you have that tryout at nine, you have the second one at 1045, you know, so the day before going through that process, you know, for the athletes who find it difficult, how can they develop their own pre-performance routine that of course now guides them as they move forward? That's a great question. Creating a pre-performance routine is all about trial and error. Mm. So when, when I'm working with an athlete and, and they're like, okay, I need to have this pre, pre-game routine, I go, okay, let's think about a, a competition that you were involved in where you did really well. And let's go backwards. What would you do 30 minutes before? What did you do 12 hours before? How much sleep did you get? Did you just show up? Or was there something that happened? What foods did you eat? How much water did you drink? Who did you hang out with? You know, so if you're hanging out with people who are draining your energy, you probably didn't perform well that next day. We can't use you see that. what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's good. You know, I, actually, because you see these athletes who feel like, you know, a lot of all these things happen autopilot. You know, so today I played well. Yesterday, you know, I didn't play well. You know, and they will just go back. And it's back to normal. And I'm like, you can't, you can't do stuff like that. Like you, you need to go back. You need to analyze. So the time I played well, what were the things that I was doing before? What were the things I did after? Right. The time I didn't play well, what were the things I did, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I, I totally agree. One of the other things you mentioned is pressure. How can athletes deal with pressure? Because I feel like, especially for the African athletes, you know, over on this side of the pond, you know, they, they feel like, yes, it's part of the game, but there really isn't anything specific I can do about it. So the day that I turn up and I don't feel the pressure, fantastic. The day that I turn up and I feel the pressure, I hope and pray it's not an important thing. How can athletes start dealing with pressure? Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why some of the best athletes in the world are not on teams. Mm. It's because they can't handle the pressure, mm. right? So handling pressure is, I mean, like talking, there's so many different ways to go. Mm-hmm. When it comes to... <laughs> So if someone came up to me and they're like, Hey, I got, you know, I just, I can't handle the pressure. I'd be like, well, where's the pressure coming from? Mm-hmm. Like everywhere. And I go, okay, where? And then mm-hmm. like, well, from my parents. Oh, okay. So let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pressure. Where else? Oh, that's just it. Oh, so it's just your parents. Well, that's fine. Cause your parents aren't allowed to actually be on the field while you're there. So you have to find a way to shut them out. Oh, I can't do that. They're my parents. Like, okay, well then you're just not going to make it. <laughs> Like, I don't know what you want. Like, you know, your parents can't, they can't throw the ball for you. They can't catch it for you. They can't, they shouldn't be talking to the coach for you. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, so there's that kind of pressure. And then there's pressure is like, oh, I want to do well. It's like, well, why do you want to do well? Mm. And then you just keep asking them like, oh, you know, I, 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 I want to be the best in the world. I was like, okay, well then you're going to have to fail a lot because even yeah. Muhammad Ali, when he was telling people he's the best in the world, he wasn't yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he passed years ago, and we see him as the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Around. 
Mm. Right. So, so yeah, so pressure is part of it. Pressure is, uh, but the feeling of the pressure uh-huh. is a choice. Yeah. You can shut it off. You just have to practice shutting it off. It's uh-huh. not an easy thing. It's just like meditation. When any, anytime I start somebody on a new meditation program, it's very difficult because they feel like they need to be perfect. I'm like, no, 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 no. I just need you to be quiet. Just be quiet. One way that I practice uh, focus and, and dealing with uh, nervousness is I can't videotape this because people would see it and they would, they would get mad. But what I do is I put blindfolds on the athletes and I sit them in a circle. Mm. And I've got this Nerf ball that like if from five feet away, I blasted you in the face as hard as I could, you'd barely feel it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm throwing it at you. So mm-hmm. you'd flinch. Yeah. So I got all these athletes in a circle and they're, they've got a blindfold on and there's music playing. And I said, for five minutes, I want you just to focus on your breathing. Mm. And randomly, I'm going to blast you in the face with this Nerf ball. Mm. You're not going to be able to see me do it. Yeah. All you're going to do is you're going to feel it hit your face. And mm-hmm. I need you to just let it happen and relax. Mm. Focus on your heartbeat. When you hear my footsteps coming towards you, focus on your heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Focus on you. Focus on you. And beforehand, like I throw it at them so they know mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because psychologically, you know, some dude's about to throw a ball at your face. <laughs> right. Very and so true. you do that. And at first, it's really difficult to stay focused. But then mm-hmm. after a while, you're practicing and you're strengthening that focus muscle and you're strengthening that ability to feel pressure and not succumb to it. Mm. I-, I love that. One of the things that I say, and I want to know if you agree with me as it relates to pressure, is that. If an athlete is feeling pressure, it's usually two things. And of course, you kind of like touched on it. You know, but I like to put it this way that number one, it's either the pressure is not coming from you. So it's coming from an external source that doesn't matter. And number two, you haven't prepared the best way that you can. You know, because you, you, you can think that you've done everything. But when you get on the track, so if you use like maybe the 100 meters, 200 meters or any of the track and field events, when you get on that starting block, when you get to that start line, that's when you are going to know if you did everything possible to prepare for that. You know, so if you didn't, that's when you're remembering, you know, just like you mentioned, when you were playing video games the night before, when you could have been watching tape and things like that. Do you agree with that statement in terms of those two things, either coming from an external source that doesn't have control over you, number two, you didn't prepare hard enough? Well, I think it, it simplifies pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. most, of the ki- most people put pressure on themselves way mm-hmm. more than other people put pressure on put them. Pressure on them. Right. And so like, you know, I, I want to do good in this podcast interview, mm-hmm. but I don't feel any pressure. And, you know, I, I didn't get any like, well, you did send me the questions, but I didn't look at them. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> but I was just like, cause I, I liked, you know, the, the, I like it to come kind mm-hmm. of off the cuff, but, yeah. but with an athlete, once you get on the blocks, you start asking yourself, did I prepare? That's going to increase your nervousness. Yes. Yeah. That's going to increase your pressure because whether you did or you didn't, that gun's about to go off. <laughs> like it's too late to be thinking about it now. So you got to say, look, I did everything that I think I should have done. Mm-hmm. But if you get on those blocks and you go, Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Well then there should be no pressure because you're basically just telling yourself that you should not actually mm-hmm. do well right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you've just mm-hmm. released yourself of pressure. You're just like, well, I hope I finish. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's all you got. Right. Yeah. So, but if you are feeling a ton of pressure, you need to be able to name it. Where is it coming from? Uh-huh. Is it valid? 
Is the pressure that I'm feeling valid? Should I be spending my finite amount of energy thinking about this stuff? Mm-hmm. And so you, that's, what, that's what I'll do is when I'm working with an athlete, I'm like, you feel all this pressure, where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. If it's coming from someone else, Nothing you can do about that. Maybe you can have a conversation with mom and dad. Maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend is putting too much pressure on you. Uh-huh. Maybe your, your team manager, like whatever. Like those kind of stuff. You can have a conversation with that. But when you're putting the pressure on you, you got to decide, okay, I'm not going to look at it as pressure. I'm going to look at it as excitement. Uh-huh. You know? So you got all these butterflies in your stomach and they're going all <laughs> over the place. Close your eyes and imagine those butterflies going really crazy, but now they're in formation. Uh-huh. So it's still there. Yeah. And the butterflies are still flapping their wings, but you yeah. do this kind of like imagery where it's like now no. those butterflies in my stomach are no longer making me feel sick. They're making me feel excited. Oh, nice. Nice. And, you know, and if, on the flip side of pressure is the imposter syndrome. So the athletes who, for whatever reason, they can't just believe in themselves. I'm not good enough. I, I don't deserve this sport and things like that. You know, what do you say to athletes like that who, you know, pressure is not a problem. But the point is that they just cannot believe in the talent that they have, the ability that they have for whatever reason. I mean, that's self-talk. Mm. And when I'm with an athlete that starts telling me that stuff, I just agree with them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I go, oh, coach, you know, I'm just, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm like, well, okay. I, I can help. Do you want me to help you pack? Because the more you tell yourself this, your body is listening. Yeah. So you're going to just keep saying this stuff. You're going to be a self-fulfilled prophecy and you're going to go home. Mm. So let's save ourselves some time. Yeah. And let's just pack up your stuff. Mm. You know, there's a restaurant over there. It's really fun. <laughs> go do that. Like, you know, so when, when someone starts being honest and they start like saying like, cause I have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, when I was sitting at the Chicago Bulls practice facility, yeah. like here I am, I'm like a, you know, 40 year old dude that, like, what do I have to tell? I never played in the NBA. Yeah. Yet I sat there and I go, I'm good. I got this. Mm. I, I can do this. You know, when I'm, you know, working over at the Dallas Cowboys facility down the road or when I'm, uh, when I was at IMG and like the New Zealand All Blacks would show up. Wow. Like, who am I? Like, who am I? <laughs> Nobody, right? But then again, it's like, you know what? I could probably talk about some pregame routines. I could talk about not being so nervous. I could talk about success leaves clues and different ways to communicate. These are the tools. These are, these are the skills that I have to show you how to be a better athlete. Mm. So I'm watching the All Blacks on TV and I'm, I'm loving it. But when they're with me, it's like I got to teach them. Some, if I can teach them one thing, mm-hmm. then it was worth my time. And it was worth their time. Mm. But yeah, the imposter syndrome – Man, you know, if I was in a fight, I wouldn't punch myself in the face. Mm-hmm. That's counterproductive. Sure. So I'm not going to talk to myself in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. And in my, in my mirror, my bathroom, I can't see it. Mm-hmm. It's full of post-its. Wow. Full of post-its. Because I don't want to look at the person that I am right now. I want to envision who I'm going to be. Indeed. So I've got stuff all over my, my mm-hmm. mirror and I just went to the beach a couple of days ago and I just went for a night and that morning I woke up, I went in the bathroom and my bathroom is full of post-its because mm. even when I travel, I keep that mirror covered in who I want to be, not who I am and not who I was. Mm. So I'm always looking forward, you know, and I'm always, you know, reflecting on the past. Yeah. 
like how I, you know, I, I failed here, or I succeeded here and, yeah. and it's subjective, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing about the past is you actually can change the past mm. because you look back at what happened and you're pissed off about that, but you can change how you feel about that. Mm -hmm. You can change about what that event meant, like that job that you didn't get. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a terrible memory that sucks. Oh, wait, because I didn't get that job, I was offered another job two weeks later yeah. and mm -hmm. that one was awesome. Mm, mm. you know or i didn't play on this one team oh man that sucks yeah but you know what you did you worked your tail off mm -hmm. and that coach remembered you and when she got a job somewhere else she brought you over because she remembered your work ethic mm. not your performance mm. and now mm. here's your opportunity so there's there's opportunity everywhere yeah. and you just have to be open to that and not so close-minded and this is the way you know, messy did it. Yeah. This is the way this person did it. So I have to do it this way. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You can actually do it. You're complete a different way, or you can grab a bunch of different ways and then kind of choose your own tail and, and go that way. So, yeah. So when, when it comes to imposter syndrome and people talking negatively about themselves, just like, okay, like I can't help you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't help you. Like if you, if you really think you can't do it, I'm not going to talk you out of that Yeah. because it's going to, you think it's hard now. Mm -hmm. The next level is even harder. Mm. The next mm -hmm. level is even harder than that. Mm -hmm. When I was in eighth grade, when I was like 11, 12 years old, I went to this school and there were hundreds of kids there. And I was like, man, this is so big. <laughs> and I got to high school and there were thousands of kids there. And I'm like, this is so big. And I went back to my elementary school. And I was like, this is tiny, yeah. <laughs> man. but I was such a small person mm -hmm. intellectually, spiritually, physically. And then when I got to college, I'm like, man, there's tens of thousands of people, people here. Yeah, yeah. And then you get out into the real world. You're like billions, billions, you know? So, and, and I go back to my elementary school and I'm like, mm -hmm. I hope I don't step on it. It's so small. <laughs> it's just so tiny. Right. Mm. So, yeah, as you get older and, and you look at opportunities that you didn't have when you were younger or opportunities that you missed or whatever, and you're just like, well, maybe that was a good thing. Mm -hmm. What if I chose to believe that, ha that life is happening for me, not mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. What if I chose to believe that everything that happens is for a reason, that everything I've ever been through mm -hmm. has prepared me for this moment right mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm loving, I'm loving this conversation. Unfortunately, I have to be mindful of your time, you know, so that I don't take uh, your entire day. But I also saw that, you know, you, you work with changing the game, changing the game mm -hmm. projects with, you know, John O'Sullivan, you know, and you know, that's someone I've been following for a while. You know, talk to me about that, you know, what it's like, the project, what you guys are trying to do, because, you know, I think it's like a great initiative. Yeah, John, you know, I mean, we've talked about two of my biggest mentors, uh, John, you know, Dr. Wendy Borleby earlier, and then John O'Sullivan. He's, he, uh, he's always been a mentor to me, but we've, we've really become peers and uh, we, we teach a lot of the same stuff and he focuses on the parents and I focus on, on the athletes and, and we work really well together. Uh, he's just created a, a movement that is really helpful for parents to feel confident in raising their kids as, as athletes and for coaches to uh, introduce the idea of love and the idea of respect and the idea of just giving the game back to the kids uh -huh. so that they can have the experience because youth sports has really gone the way of entertainment for adults uh -huh. Uh -huh. at the expense of the kids. Yeah. And that's a problem because when kids grow up and they realize you traded my childhood for your oh, entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
like I wasn't able to be a kid. You had me at tournaments and uh, I can't tell you how many times a friend of mine will call me up and go, Hey, my, my daughter, um, you know, she wants to play all these different sports, but there's no time. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, put her on the phone. And this happened a couple weeks ago, my best friend. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he uh, goes, really he goes, you want to talk to her? And I go, yeah. So I get on the phone and I was like, Hey Brooke. And she's like, Hey coach, how you doing? And I was like, um, do you like to play volleyball? She goes, yeah. I go, do you like to play soccer? She goes, yeah. I go, do you like martial arts? She goes, yeah. I go, which two do you not want to play? She's like, I really only want to play volleyball. I was like, can you go tell your dad that, please? <laughs> you don't want to play soccer and you don't want to do martial arts? That's it. Okay, fantastic. And so now my buddy calls me up. He was like, bro, she's got one practice a day. It's beautiful. She's so happy. And I was like, you didn't even ask her what she wanted, but you oh, thought she had to be in all these things. I said, she's doing that because you're, you're telling her how important it is. But just, and that's what this coronavirus has done for youth sports is mm. that it has allowed kids to just take a pause and be children again. Mm. Now it's a bummer that they weren't allowed to hang out with their friends a lot, sure. but they still got time at home. And it wasn't great for everybody, but it was great for some. Mm. And, you know, going back into sports, I, I hope that some parents go, I don't think we need to be in three sports at yeah. a time. Yeah. I think maybe you pick one and you finish that one, mm -hmm. which is more difficult now because leagues are out there and they're not letting their kids play multiple sports and they're mm -hmm. not letting their kids have an end of the season. And you got to pay all the money beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it's just all this crap. But that's what changing the game project is. That's what John O'Sullivan is teaching and, and myself. And, and, you know, we do the way of champions podcast mm -hmm. every week and we get that out there. And so really just trying to help parents um, feel better about what they're doing with their kids. Mm. How can parents help their children nurture the talent that they have? Because one of, at least for, for, for me here, you know, we, we here in Africa, we have this mentality, you know, that academics is, only, is the only thing that's important, you know, and that, that's something, the idea is changing now and parents are beginning to see that, okay, sports is viable. Sports is an option for my children. But, you know, I'm talking about maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was always academics. You know, you tell your parents that you want to play sports is something they don't even want to hear because they felt like it was for the unserious people. But now that the, 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 the narrative is changing and parents are now realizing that, hey, man, not everybody's made for the classroom. Like, nobody's saying don't go to school. Like, you can go to school, sure. But if they want to play sports, then you should allow them. You should support them. But the parents will then say things like, you know, Tola, I don't know how to do this. You know, so in your estimation, you know, changing the game project, maybe the few parents that you've worked with, advised, how can parents nurture the talent that children have for sports in the most healthy way? Do you have a dog? <laughs> I have four. Okay. Uh, what happens when they don't get exercise? Mm. Well, when, you, you don't, when you don't walk them out. So yeah, they either become lazy or mm -hmm. if they're hyper, then they start tearing stuff up. Mm. Right? So when you focus primarily on academics and you tell a kid that that's the only way to be successful, mm -hmm. How can we possibly imagine them being active, physically active later on in life? It's just, that's it's ridiculous, mm. right? Because they never learned that. And we've all met adults. I'm just like, how do you even know how to walk? Like, I feel like you just don't even know how to walk, like, much <laughs> less have any kind of physical literacy, right? When you play sports as a kid, when you are involved in different clubs mm -hmm. like science and all this other stuff where you have to get out in nature and you've got to do stuff, sports isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. It is an answer. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. But the, the character lessons that you learned, how to, how to get along with people, you learn that in team sports. The, the characteristics of being able to focus on a task for a long time and, and master that task, you learn that by golfing and by you know, tennis and wrestling where you can't rely on anybody else. It's only you. So there are some great lessons to learn in sports. Mm. And parents do their kids a disservice when the parent goes, my kid's going to be a baseball player. My kid's going to play hockey. My kid's going to play rugby. It's like you don't know who your kid is going to be. So let them experience everything and let them fully experience it. Playing volleyball, soccer, and mixed martial arts at the same time, how is that kid ever going to get good at any of those? Mm. It's just not going to happen. Just like if I were going to try right now to learn Spanish, to play the trumpet, (laughs) and learn how to juggle. Like all three of those things is like, um, those are great funny things that the uh, by themselves uh-huh. not, not, not funny but like they're things by themselves and they deserve focus and so i think parents can do their kids a, a big solid by asking them what do uh-huh. you want to do uh-huh. and not putting the pressure saying look we need you to be a professional baller because yeah. you gotta you gotta pay to get this town out, uh-huh. of, out you know out of poverty so uh-huh. we're, we're counting on you so uh-huh. now the kid gets cut when the kid's like, I'm, a, I'm the ultimate failure. Everybody in my village said that I was supposed to do this mm-hmm. and now I'm not going to be able to do it. And so now I've let down everybody I've ever met and I'm going to be a failure the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Or the parent can just be like, hey, we want you to do a team sport. We want you to do an individual sport. We want you to uh, do some kind of endurance something so it teaches yeah. you grit, right? Mm-hmm. We want you to do some kind of team something so it teaches you how to get along with people. Because when you get out into the, to the world after sports, mm-hmm. you have a bad boss. Well, you probably had a bad coach yeah. too. Yeah. So you learned how to communicate and just like let that person be the jerk that they are. If you, had a co- if you have a, a teammate who you didn't like, well, yeah. you're going to have a coworker that you don't like. So I feel like sports is one of those great vehicles to teach life lessons because it's a microcosm of life. You got problems that you got to overcome with other people or you got a problem you got to overcome because, you know, 10 kilometers into your 15 kilometer race, you pulled a muscle Mm. or you got a cramp. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, do I quit or do I keep going? I mean, there was a guy, I don't remember what country he was from. Because it was a very small country, and I, mm. but he he was in the Olympics and he was running the marathon, mm. and the last person had crossed. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but the last person had crossed the finish line, and mm-hmm. they started cleaning up, and all of a sudden, over the announcement, they said, "Wait, we got one more guy who's going to finish. Mm-hmm. One more guy, come back to your seats." So everybody came back to the seats, and he came in, and he's like hobbling and getting there and he finally crosses the line and they go, you know, we've, we've closed everything down and everything's over. Like, why did you do this? He said, look, my country didn't send me here to quit. quit. My country sent me here to finish the marathon Uh, and I was going to do it with or without you. uh, And so he can go home and be the guy who finished the marathon. Yeah. And instead of like, oh, wow, you went, you didn't even win. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. only one person can win. True. But I finished. So I choose to believe that I was successful. I love that answer. You know, and and that's one of the messages that, you know, I also 
you know, try to push the parents in the sense that there are certain things that sports will teach you that I can guarantee that there's nothing else that will teach you those things. You know, so when you prevent your child from playing sports, you know, and you say, hey, you know, focus on school, focus on all these other things, you know, more or less in future, first and foremost, if they're talented, you know, and they love sports, there is no way, I can guarantee there's no way that they're going to look back and they're not going to look at you funny like if only at least you had allowed me to explore this. Now, for the athletes, final question, then I'll let you go. You know, final question. For the athletes or for the children, rather, who they want that, they have that desire. They want to do it. They want to pursue it. At the point where they've now zoned in on that sport, so they've experienced, you know, all the other sports, they've attempted it, they've tried it. What can that parent now do when it's now clear that, okay, my child wants this, they're showing some sort of talent. I'm not saying they're going to make it or anything like that. How do I now take it a step further? So this is now beyond me allowing them experience all of these things. They've experienced it. They now want to take it a step further. How do I help them? So Wayne Gretzky told a story um, about him growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's one of the best hockey players, okay, arguably yeah, the right. best that ever, ever played. And he would tell these stories about how uh, he would get to practice early. And he would go all, all hard. And then when practice was over, he wanted to stay on the ice. Mm. And he just wanted to. And so he goes, my parents knew that I was destined for greatness because they didn't have to force me to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. If your kid is, the, is getting to practice um, right on time, and then when practice is over, they're done. They're not going to be a pro. They don't want it. <laughs> they just, they don't. When you, you talk to a pro Mm -hmm. in any sport and that's all they want to do. That's it. Mm. That's all they want to do. And that didn't start in their twenties. It started when they were very young Mm. or as soon as they found the sport and they were like, this is how I will express my creative outlet. This is how, this is my art. Mm. Every time I shoot the basketball, I'm creating a masterpiece. Every time I throw a touchdown pass, that's my masterpiece. Mm. And so as a parent, if your child isn't begging to do more, then they're probably just going to play the sport and then finish and then go to university and <laughs> have a family. And that's okay. And that's okay. But the basketball players who, um, I mean, I, 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 like you, I remember watching a, a documentary about Kobe Bryant and he would say to the guys, like when we get to, New York to play the Knicks. Don't go play pickup games. Mm-hmm. Like just rest. He had to tell his professional teammates, teammates. <laughs> to not play because all they wanted to do was play. Mm-hmm. That's not a new behavior. They've been doing that since grade school. Mm-hmm. So if you have a baseball player who during quarantine didn't really care to pick up the bat, never really asked to play, mm-hmm. catch, they probably aren't going to be a professional baseball player (laughs) because when you get to the, when you're a professional, you can recognize them Mm -hmm. younger because all they want to do is talk about baseball. Mm. All they want to do is talk about rugby. Like everything they want to read every book that every um, football player wrote. They want to read everything that Wayne Gretzky ever said Mm -hmm. because they're hockey. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, the, the best thing you can do as a parent is allow your kid to sample sports and to really dive in and don't let them quit. Mm-hmm. And when they find something that they're good at and they're 10, 11 years old, mm-hmm. just realize that they're still children and they haven't hit their growth spurt. Yeah. 
So if they're really good at the sport, is it talent or are they just bigger than everybody else? Because <laughs> if they're bigger than everybody else, everyone else is going to catch up to them. True, true. And probably pass them mm-hmm. because they had to learn how to work with the big guy. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. the big guy is a small guy, but everybody else is more mentally tough because the big guy used to pick on the little guys. Mm-hmm. Now the big guy's a small guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how, how can you help an athlete, like as a parent, uh-huh. release them, let them go. Mom, let me get 10 more minutes of shooting. Okay, I'll be in the car. Bye. Now you know you've got something. Mm. You know, when that kid in high school decides that he wants to walk home because he wants to dribble the ball with his left hand for two miles, you might have something there. Mm. That, 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 that extra at that age. You know, and, you know it's something, what, what you said really resonates, you know, because I, I remember myself, you know, you know, as a teenager all those years ago, you know, chasing this thing, you know, and I was always the guy that wanted to do the extras. You know, I was always the guy that would see something on TV, you know, immediately I get my football, I'm going outside to see if I can replicate it, to see if I can do it better, to see if I can master it. So, you know, definitely what, what you said resonates. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this, James. The reason I named the podcast Athlete Maestro was to help athletes master their craft. You know, obviously, one of the things that we're very deficient on here is information, you know, and people that are helping people get better at this. You know, so after going through my own experience, you know, then getting injured, recovering from that injury, you know, I, I, I saw that deficient nature and I said, hey, I'm going to help the athletes that are behind, you know, so all the experience that I have, all the knowledge that I have, I'm going to help those coming behind so that they don't make the same mistakes yeah. I made and things like that. What in your estimation does it mean to be a master of your craft? So in terms of the reason why I named the podcast Athlete Master. To be a master of your craft means to understand the box so well. Mm-hmm. that you don't need to get outside the box. Everybody mm-hmm. else is out here trying to be outside of the box thinkers. Like, wait a minute. Have you mastered the box yet? Because when it comes to art, there's nothing more impressive than a painter who can paint a perfect circle. It's just a circle. Mm-hmm. But to be able to paint it perfectly, now that is mastery. Mm. So getting, uh, getting it within the box and not, not, not needing outside the box. That, yeah, that, it's the that, fundamentals. You yeah. know, I mean, at, at any level of sport, mm-hmm. have you mastered the fundamentals? Like you're, if you're playing basketball and you're teaching a nine-year-old to dribble between his legs, mm-hmm. but he's not strong enough to actually shoot the ball into the hoop, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> you don't get points for dribbling. <laughs> True. <laughs> Nobody gets that. I mean, you mm. get maybe some respect points, but that's yeah. it. You know, they don't go up on the scoreboard. <laughs> but to be a master, I mean, you've got to be intentional about mm-hmm. your practice. And the 10,000 hour uh, fallacy, yeah. it's not about acquiring 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. It's about deliberately practicing yeah. for 10,000 hours. What's inside? Uh, yes, lovely, lovely answer, James. Now, we talked about so many things. We talked about um, imposter syndrome, pressure. You know, we've talked about, you know, the mental side. We've talked about uh, all this recovery stuff. If there's an athlete that's listening to us right now and says, you know, James, I've heard what you and Tola have talked about, you know, in terms of what you've talked about for one hour, you know, and I love everything. But I want to get a step closer to my goals. And I need you to recommend one thing I can do today that gets me a step closer. Now, it doesn't have to get me to my goal. It just gets me a step closer. I'm going to apply everything that you and Tola have talked about. But for now, I just need one thing that I can do to get a step closer. What would that one thing be? It would be one word, simplify. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do everything today. Mm -hmm. 
if today is a workout, do that workout the best you can. Mm. If today is a, a track day, go out there and do everything that your coach says you're supposed to do. Mm. If it's a recovery day, you sit there and you recover. You get your mm. boots on, pressure on the legs, you know, your Normatec boots and you got your ice and you got all this <laughs> other stuff. Like, but simplify. You don't need more to be better. You actually yeah. need less, which yeah. is, I mean, unleash the athlete is the mm -hmm. whole idea of unleashing yourself from all the pressures and all the expectations and just go out there and perform. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. just like, you know, I love the, the, the name of the, your podcast because Maestro, it sounds like, you know, a, a musician, like a masterpiece, like uh -huh. creating something. And in order for you to be at the highest of your success level, You've got to simplify. Mm -hmm. Get rid of anything that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. yeah, that includes wow. people. <laughs> if there's people that are negatively impacting you, if they're draining yeah. your energy, mm -hmm. you've got to distance yourself from them. Oh, but mm -hmm. it's my mom or it's my dad or it's my brother. It's like, well, you still have to control that. Like You, you have to be able to block that out. That's That's a good answer in terms of simplifying a bit. Because I feel like there are a lot of athletes who see these things and they feel if it's not complicated, you know, then it means I'm not, I'm not moving forward. You know, if you say, this is how, just like you mentioned shooting, this is how you shoot, and you're like, no, it can't be that easy. Like, it can't be yeah, that easy. like in the, the uh, what is it, the Bhagavad Gita mm. is um, uh, an old Indian text. And in there, um, it's, this com it's this conversation between this mentor and this, this warrior who's trying to figure out if he should go and fight in this war. Mm. And he's, he's looking for his life purpose. But one of the lessons in there is that um, this, this guy is telling this guy, make the big things small and the small things big. Mm -hmm. And so anything that you think is really, really huge, make it small in little tiny pieces. What can you focus on right now? How can you simplify your life so that way you can make a better decision moving forward? Mm. You don't have to accomplish everything right now. <laughs> you just need to accomplish what the day needs you to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And if that's mm -hmm. laying one brick perfectly, then lay that brick perfectly. And in a year, you'll have a wall of success. True. Because every brick was put down at the right time with love and care and intentionality. Oh, wow, I love it. And I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, James. Uh, please tell us where we can find you. Um, you also have your podcast, Unleash the Athlete. You know, I know you're on Twitter. I'm not sure if you're on Instagram, but tell us where we can find you. Yeah, I try to get, I try not to be on social media. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's in a bad head space, you know. Um, you can find me at jamesleith.com. You can find me at utathlete.com. Mm. Uh, that's where I post most of my stuff. And, um, you know, I, I put my stuff on Instagram and on Twitter, but I don't spend a whole lot of time uh, conversating with people on there. Mm. I also let's have your email. So in terms of, you know, if any athletes want to ask you questions based off of this conversation, you know, probably they yeah. can reach out. Yeah, coach at jamesleith.com. James, L-E-A-T-E-H.com. That's my email address. Yeah, so coach at jamesleith.com. Thank you so much for coming on, James. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, enjoyed everything that we spoke about. You know, and it was a pleasure to have you on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm sure you guys would have seen, you know, just exactly what I talked about. You see, when you talk to someone for an hour plus, and it feels like you talk to them for what? Just like five minutes. You know, I remember telling James like, 
you know final question i said final question probably like two times or something you know just shows you the bells that he was throwing out there you know and how all of these things that he's saying you know this is a guy of course he works with the chicago bulls you know had his stint with the img academy and of course uh, he's also part of the changing the game project you know so it's just knowledge galore and like i said at the beginning you might not have believed me but like i said at the beginning i found myself learning along the way as well so massive respects to james you know for coming out for sharing everything that he did and of course you guys can check james out jamesleith.com all of this of course is going to be in the show notes and of course utathlete.com and of course you can send him a mail if you have any questions copy me in that mail coach at jamesleith.com coach at jamesleith.com of course you can copy me in that email as well tola at athlete maestro.com tola at athlete maestro.com i'm still i'm still shaking myself like wow like that was a really really good one touched all the right buttons and now you have all the tools that you need to unleash yourself so that you can be the best athlete you can be you talk about all the goals that you want to achieve everything that you want to do you need to unleash everything that is within you and the way that you're going to do that is through information and knowledge that people like james leith are sharing in the world and of course that is exactly what i want for you and that is exactly why i started this podcast if you really enjoy this i want you to share this with a fellow athlete with someone who you believe would benefit from this someone who needs to hear messages like this so just hit the share button share it with them and of course like i said send james a thank you message as a coach at jamesleith.com coach at jameslee.com and of course i want you to copy me in that email as well if you have any questions whatsoever send me a mail tola at athletemastro.com tola at athletemastro.com of course don't forget to get your hands on goal setting mastery athletemastro.com forward slash marshall i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do i want you to go out there i want you to begin to apply and do everything that james has talked about don't you go out there and i want you to be a maestro today and every single 